deception. You know, it's funny how it's funny how you can drive in the morning and it's real foggy. Like it's just super foggy. As a matter of fact, that reminds me of a story of a classmate of mine. <laughs> reminds me of a story of a classmate of mine. And she was driving through the fog in Lamar. Six in the morning. And it was so thick, right there coming off the field, it was so thick that the, the mist and the moisture stuck to the window. As she got on 45, it just kept sticking to the window. She's driving real slow. And, and her mother was in the car. And for whatever reason, she said, you know what? I got a great idea. How about we just turn on the windshield wipers and get the stuff off? She's turning the windshield wiper, but it was just still so thick. And all these cars were passing by and passing by and passing by and blowing the horn. And she couldn't figure out why in the world. All these cars passing us by so fast. You know what? Let's cut on the heat. Cut on the heat and the fog left the window only to find out that it was completely sunny outside. And the fog had deceived her and she acted according to the circumstances on her windshield. Often in this life, we're taught not to look at our rear view mirrors. Often in this life, we're saying, look through our windshield because if you're looking through your rear view, Tupac even has a song about it. I'm staring at the world through my rear view. Valley's church folk. I like Valley's church folk. He has this song. So we, we say to ourselves that if we look through the world through our rear view, we can never go forward because we're always looking backward. But what happens when you're looking at your windshield and even that's acting up? What happens when you're looking at your windshield and it's just as foggy as your rear view mirror? What happens when you're looking at your windshield and it's foggier than what you're looking at going backwards? And this is exactly the situation of all of us in this place right now. Exactly the situation of all of middle class America see right now. We remember how good it was in the 90s when gas prices was 99 cents. We, we remember how good it was before Hurricane Ike and we had some money and our change wouldn't act strange and did seem like money was growing on trees. We remember when our favorite family member was alive and they were taking care of us and we all had one house to go into if everything else went to hell around us. But we can't see past our windshield right now because in November 2012, we don't know where our next meal is coming from. Or we are forced to spend a night in Lamarck because we live over here because this is where gas money, we're forced to contend with the fact that we don't have much money so we got to eat noodles and sugar bread and toast just to get by because our windshield is completely deceiving us because there's fog on our windshield but 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 if we just cut on the heat a little bit we find out that the fog dissipates and everybody around us is actually driving full speed ahead. But, but what do you feel? What, what situation do you get inside of when you realize that everybody is being blessed around you but you? Can't you see it? Everybody around this young man is being blessed. He's, he's, he, he, he goes to church every Sunday. He tithes. He puts his last $2 inside the collection plate. He, he gives to the sick. He, he gives to the poor. There's a bum on the street. He gives a dollar to him. He, he watches Joel Osteen on TV. Can't you see it? How, how, how life is doing him so bad, but he himself is just doing so good? Can't you see it? How, how the family members won't, won't let him do anything or, or, or how, how he knows. Now, he knows he can make one phone call and make a whole bunch of money, but he is struggling because he chooses to get a job and go pay taxes. Can't you see it? Can't you see how 
Everybody around this young man is prospering. They don't never go to church, yet they got 20-inch rims. They, they, they don't even have a job, but, but, but the, all eight of their kids can eat. And for whatever reason, they always got the new PlayStation and the new this and the new that. Can't you see it? What about you? Can't you see that in your school right now, these folks don't study no liquor, no something, but they all got 4.0 averages and you sit there and you study and you study and you study just to get a B? Can't you see it? How it seems like God often punches his children in the face for doing the right things while those notorious sinners seem to do all the wrong things. And they get all the blessings. Now, if you don't know what notorious sinners is, notorious sinners, we all sin. But notorious sinners are those who wear their sins on the outside. These are the prostitutes. And these are drug dealers. And, you know, these are gangsters with thug and life right here on their arms. And they gold teeth in their mouth. These are the folks who wear their sins on the outside. Why is it? That you come to church every Sunday and you come to church and you change your life and you come to church but you don't have a six-figure income. Why is it that in this life when you seem to be doing all the right things, everybody else around you is getting blessed for doing all the wrong things? Well, right here in Psalm 74 verses 1 through 8, we found out that Asaph feels the same exact way. He is absolutely deterred with his situation. The children of Israel, they have done all the right things. If a matter of fact, people around him are going plumb crazy, but he ain't doing nothing wrong. He's a young Levite priest. He's not doing absolutely anything wrong because he's a priest. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's going to the church, but yet the children of Israel, they've been acting plumb crazy for so long in 586 BC. God allows for them to be conquered, and now they all got to go into slavery. The Babylonian people, they come and they destroy the temple. And, and if you don't know anything, in order to be Jewish, you must have a temple because not only is the temple just so amazingly awesome, all blessings flow from the temple and all sacrifices are made in the temple. And if you keep reading your Bible, you find out that even though God is everywhere, his presence is more, his presence is more felt inside of the temple. Is there anybody in this building today? You realize that, yeah, you get close to God and you realize that, yeah, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I just can't seem to find my temple. I'm in the church every day, but something about me inside, I just can't seem to find my temple. What Asaph is saying, I'm not doing nothing wrong. And God, you have all these people destroying my temple. Why is it that I'm doing the right thing? Why is it that I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do? But everybody around me is doing the worst things, but they prospering. Why is it, God, that I am of Jewish descent, yet you letting these Babylonians who don't even believe in you conquer those who believe in you? Do you ever feel this way? Do you ever feel like you go on the church Sunday after Sunday? Do you ever feel like you're on your job and you pray? You pray so much, you pray over everything at your job. God, I can't find a stapler. Can you give me the staple? God, I can't find this. Can you do this here? You pray so much that everything you do in your job is all about prayer, but that one coworker that you just can't stand. Don't love God, can't stand God, don't like you, don't like God, it's using you. And you, she can't stand the mere fact that God is doing something with you or God wants to do something with you. And for whatever reason, she always gets a new promotion. And she comes to, 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 to this $9 hour job in a Lexus. Why is it that God allows those people who don't love him to prosper? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because see, just like God has blessings, the devil has blessings. I need you to understand this right now. That the devil 
The devil don't attack nobody who don't have no future. If you are playing for the devil, if you are selling drugs, if you, whatever it is that you're doing, if you sleeping with people you shouldn't be sleeping with, if you spend a night in beds you shouldn't be spending a night in beds in, the devil ain't going to bother you. Why would he bother you? Because pain brings you back to God. Why would he bother you? When finances, when your finances get short, you call on the Lord. Why would he bother you? When your refrigerator gets empty, you say, God, help me. Why would he bring you back to the one he don't want you with in the first place? Because the devil recognizes that the moment that you get into some pain, you're going back to God. But the devil says, well, why would I bother Nora? Why would I let Nora get in any trouble because if she's doing the wrong thing let me give her some more money because the more money she get the more hotels he'll get and if you live in Houston the more you go to the Palace Inn some of y'all may know about that there the more you live in these other areas the more you the more weed you smoke the more money I can give you and the more you gonna do this the more I'm gonna do this for you so the devil don't bother anybody that does not have a future. But let me tell you, my brothers and my sisters, that God has given you this completion date and he's given you this birthday. He told you, he put a dream down on the inside of you. He told you, you're going to be awesome on this day. But the and the devil is trying to bother you all in between this day because the devil recognizes that he can't stop your promise. If God has given you a promise, then nobody can stop your promise. If God has told you, if God has told you that you're going to be successful on this day, then he can't stop your promise. But all of a sudden, you realize that the devil is bothering, is bothering you because you have a future. So we sit here and we realize that sometimes God must destroy what is precious because it is necessary. You understand, my brothers and sisters, that you understand that we hold on to some things that we call important. The Jews. They loved their temple. Their temple was so awesome that the temple was the center of all what was to be Jewish. The temple was the center of society. The temple was so great that Solomon built it and it was amazing. Everybody came from end on end just to see how amazing Psalm 74, amazing the temple was. Everybody came down just to see how amazing the temple was. And the Jews appreciated the temple. We got temples this day. Right now in this day, we have brand new cars that we love so much. We, we have houses that we love so much, and we love our shoes because our shoes cost $92.23. We love our iPhones, and, and we love all these things because these things are precious to us, but sometimes God will destroy what is precious because it's necessary. Have you ever got something? Have you ever seen? I know it ain't none of y'all. Have you ever seen somebody who get blessed by the Lord but also forget about the Lord? Have you ever seen somebody every time they get a blessing, they, 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 they just forget all about going back to church? Their money stop acting funny. Then they change, stop acting strange. And then all of a sudden, they ain't got nothing to do with the church. Matter of fact, I'm going to go to church one day, but i just doing so good right now. I got to go to work. And they put this time and a half over the man who gave them the time and a half. They work. Worship the provisions and forget all about the provider because they're so concerned with making six figures a year. They're so concerned with having this $225,000 house. But let me tell you something, my brothers and my sisters. God will always destroy what is precious to you to bring you back to him. If you have the audacity to put your house before you put the Lord, if you have the audacity to put your car before you put the Lord, you will find out you put your keys in it and your car won't start. But if you more 
like some of us who only make $7 an hour, you'll find out you parked your car in one place and when you got outside, it ain't that no more because somebody done repoed it. Because God will show you that if you don't put things that I say is important first, then you won't have anything at all. So young Asaph, he finds himself in this situation in 9 through, 9 through 17, he finds himself in this situation. He says, you know what? Well, I just can't do this anymore. Why are you letting all these people destroy on us? Why are you letting people do this to But then Asaph switches from pain to praise. And I like that. I like the fact that God has a purpose for your pain because he's getting ready to put a praise on your lips. You missed it. Please don't miss it. Please don't miss it. You have, God has a purpose for your pain because he wants to put a praise on your lips. Sometimes God gets you to a place to where being all alone is so painful. Sometimes God puts you to a place where being all alone just hurts you to your soul. To where you people shouldn't be talking about you and they keep on talking about you. And you know this person should be talking about you because this is the one that you spend all your money on. When they don't have food in their refrigerator. It's you come out of your own pocket to give them food, but it's the people that you support, who you support who want to crucify you on the cross of their choosing. And you realize that you are all alone in this situation and being alone hurts. But sometimes God wants to give you some pain so you can get on the other side of this pain because it's something he wants to show you on the other side of it that you can appreciate, but you got to go through it. Joy would not feel so good if you've never had a bad day in your life. A hot shower wouldn't feel so good if if you've never been drugged through the mud, sometimes you need something bad to happen to you. So when God gives you something good, you realize and appreciate. Don't you anybody here have some children? And you know, when we was kids, I had some pair of shoes. Now, you told me to take off my play shoes. And I didn't take off my play shoes, my school shoes. I, I played in my school shoes. And I did all this stuff because I didn't pay for this here. So I ran all through my clothes because I didn't appreciate the worth of a dollar because I wouldn't make it no dollars. But now that I'm grown, I have the same pair shoes I had 10 years ago because I bought them 10 years ago and they ain't lost no value to me and God is trying to tell you just because your pain makes you look like your value is less than what it should be just because your pain makes you feel less the person that you should be God wants you to realize that you are valuable and if I have to drag you through some mud in order for you to realize if I have to drag you through some mud in order for you to respect the fact that joy would not feel as good as pain and I'll just turn everything inside of your life because God is so good that he loves you so much that if you have something that is getting you away from him he'll take it and bring you back to him. That's how God works. It's not all the time. Now, I'm not saying everything that you go on in this life is always your fault. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that if you get your priorities mixed up, if you don't realign your priority to what God comes first, and you put your car before God, or you put your job before God, or, or you put all these other things before God, or your career goals and your education goals before God, you will find out you won't have anything else but your faith and you got to run back to God to get everything else that you need. So Asaph realized that this is exactly the situation that he finds himself in. But I like the fact that at the end of this thing, I like the fact that Asaph, he calls God into action. In the last verses, Asaph says, you know what? I get it. Everybody is destroying everything. And that's fine. And I know you's real good. But... God, would you do something? And, 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 and it often disturbs me that every time I give calls every day and I always ask, well, did you pray? And I get the same answer. I ain't pray. I don't even know how to pray. I ain't pray. 
if we don't call God into anybody's actions, then we'll realize that God won't get to moving. If, if you sitting in here right now and and it gets me all the time. The church folks, they don't have a reason to shout. They don't have a reason to praise because, because God ain't never did nothing for them. It's what they say. Well, maybe if you change your attitude, maybe if you come to God with a spirit of some sort of expectation, maybe if you stop carrying this big doo-doo cloud around you all the time, maybe if you believe that he can do exceedingly and abundantly above it, above that you can ask or think for, maybe then the God that we serve of pour down some blessing on you because if you you realize that the Bible, David says, my cup runneth over. And I've always wondered, why did he make a cup? Why is this strategic God so awesome that he pulls a blessing inside of somebody's cup and he makes it run over? I've always wondered that. I couldn't think. I mean, because we know that God don't just waste blessings. But I learned, I learned that if your cup is empty and my cup is running over, you could put your empty cup next to my cup running over and get you a head start. Don't miss your shout cue in here, please. Because if your cup is empty, all you got to do is get next to somebody that God is using, and you will find out that your cup will be filled up. You don't believe me? I'll point you somewhere into the Bible. You find out that Jesus in the New Testament, he was he was on his boat, and a storm was getting ready to uh, knock over the disciples. Well, you'll find out that at the beginning of that passage, Mark chapter 5, you'll find out that the Bible says that little boats were with them. Do you, 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 that's okay. You missed it. That's okay. I'll say it again. Little boats were with them. Jesus was on one boat, but the other little boats were with them. So when Jesus spoke away the storm on his boat, he also spoke away the storm. Oh, is there anybody in this building today? You realize if you could just get close to somebody who is getting blessed by God, you realize that when God speaks away their storms, he'll speak away your storm. Is there anybody in this building today say, God, look, I don't know how you're going to do it, but any way you do it, Lord, I'll be satisfied because I need a blessing and I need it right now. I need a blessing and I need it right now. I don't care who you bless, whoever you're blessing, let me get next to them because my cup is empty and I'm just trying to get a head start. Is there anybody in this building that you say, God, you put this dream down on the inside of me and I know you're going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to get started and I don't have the degrees to do so, but I know if I get next to somebody who do have the degrees, I know if I get next to somebody who do believe in you, that you will carry me with you when you carry in them. Because every time I think about the goodness of your name, somehow you keep on blessing me. It's just like bread from heaven. The, the, the manna was called manna because it was literally, what is this? And every time the Jewish people, every time the, 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 the nation of, of Israel got hungry, they God rained down bread from heaven. And some of us right now, we are in this building right now. We got a brand new car. And all we can say is, what is this? It seems like it rained down from heaven. We got a brand new peace of mind. And all we can say is, what is this? I don't understand it because it rains down from heaven. We got brand new jobs. You know you don't qualify for the job that you have, but somehow God rained down manna from heaven. He said, what is this? You retired and you shouldn't even be retired. People tried to get rid of you all this time but God says here's some manner what is this and you ought to give God some sort of praise because God is so amazingly wonderful that he can make it turn your what is this into a blessing that changes your life around and that reminds me that reminds me of this story of a chaplain he was in Kentucky and he he, he, he and one last last Ash Wednesday he was in Kentucky he was a chaplain at this hospital and he was making his rounds and he goes into this Pentecostal church and he goes and he participates in the last in the last Wednesday service. And he gets in there and he gets a cross anointed with ashes and oil on his head. And he gets back from his lunch break. And he starts making his rounds and he gets into this building. And he gets into this room 
with this with this this cheerful Christian. You know, she sees him, she goes, Oh, there's a chaplain, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. There's a chaplain, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And so she he sees this, he sees this lady, so he walks inside the building and, and he walks inside the room and the lady goes, Oh, praise the Lord, the chaplain is coming to see me. Praise the Lord, the chaplain is coming to see me. And and she said, Well, you have something on your forehead. So she reaches for some Kleenex to wipe it off, and he says, No. He says, This is a cross made from ashes and oil. And she says, Well, why would anybody put that? On their forehead. Why would you do that to yourself? He thinks about it for a minute. He says, well, this reminds me that God is always willing to get into my horrible situations with me. She looks at him, looks back, touches his forehead, puts his cross on her head and says, I need some of that as well. Don't we all? Don't we all? Amen.